0: To be honest, I'm starting to freak out a little. Of all the spirits I could think of that might have attached to me, none felt quite right. But there was one, a playful, gentle spirit, who I hadn't considered till now. It's dawning on me that our bud might actually be a young girl I once knew during my time overseas. Her name was Ally, the eleven-year-old daughter of our translator. Alex. She had taken a shine to me, constantly referring to me as Cowboy because I hailed from Texas. She'd speak of her dreams to become a cowgirl, of riding horses and wearing cowboy boots, all in Texas. On every patrol we conducted in her village, Ally would rush to greet us, always with a jubilant cowboy. 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 Go Texas. I made a point of bringing treats or small gifts for her. There was a sense of joy in our interactions, a kind of innocence that was so rare in those conditions. One heartbreaking day, we rolled into Alex's village to pick him up for a mission. Instead, we found Alex packing his family into their car, preparing to visit relatives. I wished them a safe journey and promised Alia a soccer ball upon my return. I remember her giggling as she clutched the bag of Twizzlers I'd brought for her that day. A few miles down the road, we came upon the wreckage of their car. An IED, intended for our patrol, had taken them instead. In my despair, I had thrown caution to the wind, rushing towards the mangled car. I found Allie's foot, still in her sandal among the wreckage. I remember collapsing, cradling her foot in my hands, overcome by guilt and sorrow. I don't know how long I knelt there or when I began firing at two men behind a small berm. All I know is that when it was over, they had to scoop up the remnants of that tragic scene with a snow shovel. As a final tribute to Ally, I placed my U.S. flag in what remained of her small hand, my heart heavy with a grief that has never really left me. Now I think I understand. The casings, the flag, the pig statue, her favorite animal. The boots and the tapping on my foot like her playful nudges. It all fits. But is Allie. In her own way, she finally got her wish. She's in Texas, maybe even wearing her cowboy boots. The realization is bittersweet and profound. Oh my God. It's Allie. I read about Maria in Puerto Rico and a few other experiencers who were cured of terminal illnesses by unknown humanoids or extraterrestrials. I wanted to add our experience to the record. Please do not use my name. We live near Orlando, Florida. On the night of July 25, 2018, I was sleeping with my six-year-old daughter who had been suffering from an inoperable cancerous brain tumor, We were in her bedroom when we suddenly awoke to see three tall hooded beings that were standing at the foot of the bed. Each of the beings had a strange glowing aura around them. They seemed to be communicating with each other, but not with my daughter or me. When I attempted to reach over to touch my daughter, I realized that she was unable to move. All she could do was move her eyes. The humanoids then came over to the side of her bed, and a very peaceful feeling came over her. The being that was nearest to my daughter bent over and touched her, and everything went quiet. My memory ended at this point. The next day, my daughter experienced a massive nosebleed. She expelled a very large blood clot from her nose, almost gagging her. A few weeks later, I took my daughter to the oncology center for a new scheduled CT scan. Within a few hours after the scan, her oncologist calls me at home. The sound in the physician's voice was of shock and disbelief. I was told that my daughter's tumor was completely gone, apparently removed by a laser, according to the oncologist. He asked me if she had undergone a surgery that he was unaware of. I told him that the only thing that had occurred was the nosebleed and the expulsion of the blood clot a few weeks previous. He asked if I had saved the blood clot, which I hadn't. The oncologist then ordered a battery of tests and other diagnostics. We were told that no cancer or lesions were found anywhere in her body. Three months later, my daughter was declared cancer-free. It has been four years since the diagnosis and my daughter is very healthy and active. I talked to a woman in Tampa, Florida a few years ago who told me of a similar encounter that she experienced. She had stage 4 colon cancer that had metastasized throughout her body, including her brain. She described the three hooded humanoids that had visited her at home. Her cancer was totally removed. We are living proof that these incidents and miracles occur. A building way out on the north side of our base was abandoned. Water leaked in and caused mold or whatnot to grow. The kind that would get in your lungs and make you very sick. So no one had been working in this building for decades. All the office furniture was removed. Phones and everything. Building was just empty. It was also partially underground. I had walked into the building before while on post with some other co-workers. It was really spooky. Never went downstairs. Building number was 472. So fast forward a few years later... I'm working as a desk sergeant dispatch for patrol at about 3 in the morning. 911 line goes off. Screen says building 472. I'm like, freak the F out. My alpha. She freaks the F out. I pick up the phone 911. What is the nature of your emergency? Click. when we tell him where the call came from. He gets out there, pitch black, nothing. No lights, no nothing. He snoops around doors or locked all secured. Don't know to this day how it happened, but 911 calls came out of that building about the same time, every few months. The building was demolished and filled in several years back, and no calls from the building since. About... Fifteen years ago, I was running cats in January, and there was a hard-to-get to block that. If the river was frozen, the cats and hounds would cross and end up in no-man's land. That was really tough to access, if you didn't want to go swimming in January. I had been in the spot once before, a couple years earlier, and the chase broke up, and I was able to call my dogs out. It was always pretty rare that they ended up crossing the river. They came running back out. One had a minor injury from what looked like a stick but I didn't think too much of it as they get beat up a little running through the brush. Fast forward a few years later and I have a great race going. But they went cross country like a bat out of hell and right to the river. I can tell they crossed into no man's land and I hike in to make sure. I look and the ice is really terrible so I can't follow. I give it about an hour and the dogs go out of hearing and are sort of circling one spot but not treeing. This goes on for another 30 minutes or so, and I decide I need to go in. I get to a hill and call friend who lives nearby to see if I can borrow his snowmobile. To save me about five miles of walking in time if something weird is going on, he says, no problem. So I grab the sled and go in, coming from another direction. That is an old logging road. I'm able to get within about one-half miles of the dogs and get to hiking in closer to where the dogs are. As I snowshoe in, I could tell one of my dogs ran to the snowmobile right away, which is fine. I knew he would stay with the machine. I hike into the other two, and they are running all over, but not really doing anything. But I see them, covered in blood. I call them over, and both dogs have single puncture wounds, about as big as my finger and perfectly round. One dog has it in her chest, and the other in the rear part of her rib cage. I call them over and we start hiking back to the snowmobile. I can hear my third dog howling where the machine is parked. I get closer and I can see my male dog standing on the snowmobile seat and blood running out of his chest. He also has a perfectly round puncture. I get all three dogs to sit on the snowmobile and I ride out back to my truck. They are bleeding like crazy all over the machine and the front of my hunting coat. And Pants is also now soaked from having a dog riding on my lap. I get the snowmobile back to my buddy and he sees the dogs and is wondering what the hell happened. And his snowmobile has blood everywhere. I give the dogs what antibiotics I have, plug the holes a little and get them to the vet wondering if they have been shot or what the hell happened. The vet looks the dogs over and is clueless, just says they were obviously punctured with something. But whatever it was didn't break off inside or stay put. And it was clean, so something likely man-made. I tell my buddy about it and that I'm really clueless. But something weird went on back there. Drove me nuts. We got significant snow that night, so it covered up most of their tracks. But I was able to track where they went and found nothing obvious that they would have run into. And no human tracks anywhere. There is, however, deep snow... So there is a pretty deep trough where the cat and dogs ran and it would be easy for tracks to blend into that with fresh snow covering them. Fast forward a year and a half later, my buddy who let me use his snowmobile is hunting bear in that same area with some friends. The bear crosses the river into no man's land and the dogs end up deep into the woods there. In exactly the same area, circling all over but not treeing, They figure out a way to hike into the dogs, get in there, and six bear dogs are running around with perfectly round puncture wounds, bleeding everywhere. Take them to the vet. Vet says no idea what happened. Clean hole like somebody just ran up and speared them. It was the end of deer season, and I had just finished up an evening hunt. As I made my way back to my truck, I switched on my headlamp's red light and tried to walk quietly. I didn't want to startle any deer or other wildlife that might be nearby. The moon was out, casting a pale glow over the woods. I walked along the road, taking in the eerie beauty of the night. As I walked, I saw something glowing off to the side of the road. My curiosity was piqued, so I approached the object cautiously As I got closer, I could see that it was the embers of a fire. I couldn't see anyone around, but I knew that someone had trespassed on the property to build a fire there. I felt a shiver run down my spine. What kind of person would do something like that? I tripled my pace back to my truck, my heart racing. I threw my gear in the back and peeled out of there as fast as I could. I drove home, trying to shake off the feeling of unease that had settled over me. As I drove, I started to think about what had happened. Why had there been no smoke? Why had someone built a fire right off the road where they could easily be seen? Then, as I replayed the events in my mind, it hit me. There had been a silver Milo balloon off the road, and my headlamp's red light had reflected off it, creating the illusion of a fire. I couldn't believe how foolish I had been. My fear had gotten the best of me, and I had let my imagination run wild. I felt a sense of relief wash over me, knowing that I had not stumbled upon some sinister plot or nefarious trespasser. But at the same time, I felt embarrassed by my own reaction. I had let my fears get the better of me, and I had let my guard down. It was a lesson that I wouldn't soon forget. From that moment on, I vowed to always approach things with a level head and to never let my imagination get the best of me again. My name is Glenn, and I'm a park ranger at the Warm Springs Reservation in Oregon. I have seen some strange things in my time, but what happened last week left me completely bewildered. My mother-in-law, who lives on the edge of the reservation, called me one day and said she had found some strange tracks in her backyard, I drove out to her house and examined the tracks. They were about 17-18 inches long and looked like they had been made by a giant barefoot creature. I was skeptical at first, but then I noticed that the tracks were spaced much farther apart than any human could manage. I started to get a sinking feeling in my stomach. What if it was true? What if there was a dogman out here? Later that day, I received another report from a local resident. They had seen a black bear running off the road into the brush with a dogman chasing it. I couldn't believe it. I had heard stories of werewolves chasing down prey before, but I had never actually witnessed it myself. I decided to investigate further and went out to where the bear had been last seen. As I approached the area, I could smell a terrible stench. When I got closer, I saw the remains of the bear. It had been shredded apart as if something had torn it limb from limb. There was no sign of any other animals or humans around. It was just me and the gruesome scene in front of me. I was starting to feel really uneasy. What kind of creature could have done this? Was it really a dogman? I had to find out. I spent the next few days searching the area, setting up cameras and traps, hoping to catch a glimpse of whatever was out there. One night, I heard something outside my cabin. It sounded like heavy footsteps, much heavier than any human could make. I peeked out the window, but all I could see was darkness. I stepped outside with my flashlight, and suddenly I heard a loud roar that echoed through the trees. I was frozen with fear, and then I saw it. A huge, dark figure, standing in the shadows. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was at least eight feet tall, covered in shaggy black fur, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. It stared at me for what felt like an eternity, and then it turned and ran away into the night. I never saw the creature again after that, but I knew that I had witnessed something incredible. I reported everything to my superiors, but they dismissed it as a bear attack. They didn't want to create a panic among the local residents. I still think about that night often wondering what else is out there in the forests and mountains of the Warm Springs Reservation. The Dogman may be just a legend to some, but for me, it's a reality that I will never forget. My mom called me late at night last year, freaking out. She was home by herself and completely terrified. As she made her way down the hall to her bedroom, She was suddenly met W.A. loud, weird, high-pitched whistling coming from her open bedroom window. She was frozen with fear when I tried to reason with her that it could have been an owl or something of that nature. She stayed adamant that it couldn't be because whatever it was, she could tell it was pushed up against her window screen and since her windows were a good seven feet off the ground with no ledge whatsoever, it just didn't make any sense. She could tell it wasn't human whatever it was. I have no problem believing it could have been something unexplained since I honestly could write a chapter book of the extremely odd supernatural things I've experienced in my life. The moment I set foot within the confines of the ancient forest, I felt an inexplicable sense of unease. The towering trees, their branches reaching skyward like skeletal fingers, seemed to whisper secrets carried on the wind. It was a remote national park A place where I had eagerly accepted the position of park ranger, drawn by the allure of solitude and the raw beauty of the wilderness. Little did I know that this sanctuary of nature held a darkness that would forever alter my perception of reality. At first, I brushed aside the odd sensations as mere jitters from the unfamiliar surroundings. The trails, once clear and well marked, started to twist and turn unexpectedly, leading me deeper into the heart of the forest. Unexplained rustling in the underbrush followed my every step, leaving me with the uncanny sensation that unseen eyes were tracking my movements. Reports from campers and hikers grew increasingly disturbing. They spoke of dreams filled with whispers that seemed to emerge from the very shadows themselves, haunting their sleep with words they couldn't quite grasp. It was as though the forest was alive with an otherworldly presence an entity that watched and waited in the hidden recesses. One moonlit night, during my routine patrol, I stumbled upon an ancient dilapidated cabin concealed among the trees. The air around it hung heavy with malevolent energy, sending shivers down my spine. Curiosity drove me to step inside, where I discovered journals and records of past park rangers. Each account echoed the same unsettling phenomena I was experiencing, Shadowy figures lurking just beyond sight, voices that whispered enigmatic secrets in the dead of night, determined to unveil the truth. I delved deep into the park's history. Old records unveiled tales of an ancient ritual ground, a place where dark ceremonies had once been performed by a long-forgotten cult. Legends recounted a malevolent entity summoned through these rituals, now imprisoned within the shadows feeding off the fear of those who dared enter the forest. My investigation only fueled the Entity's power. Vivid nightmares racked my sleep, filled with unsettling visions and whispered truths that slithered into my consciousness. My fellow rangers, once close allies, grew distant and guarded, haunted by their own encounters with the Entity. Reports emerged of visitors vanishing without a trace, leaving only their terrified cries echoing among the trees. My resolve to confront the malevolent presence only deepened. I navigated the increasingly distorted forest, where reality and illusion intertwined, leading me into a nightmarish labyrinth of fear and darkness. Cryptic clues from the cult's past guided my path, each step bringing me closer to the entity's hidden lair. The climax of my journey arrived at the heart of the ancient ritual ground. In a battle of wills and courage, armed with the knowledge I'd gleaned and a determination to protect the park and its visitors, I faced the entity. forest itself seemed to tremble as we clashed, and the line between reality and nightmare blurred. With each defiant step I took, the entity's power weakened, shadows receded, the forest's grip on reality loosened, and the malevolent presence began to wane. As dawn broke and sunlight pierced the trees, a sense of calm and renewal descended upon the land. I left the park, my heart heavy with the memories of my harrowing journey. The forest appeared serene once more, the haunting presence seemingly vanquished. Yet, as I walked away, I couldn't shake the feeling that the darkness lingered, biding its time, waiting for another brave soul to tread its tangled paths. The forest's secrets remained, eternally bound to the shadows and the echoes of a forgotten cult. I was sitting by my campfire one night in an old growth cypress swamp in the deep south, thinking about crawling in my tent and going to sleep. In the quiet of the night I heard a four-wheeler moving through the woods on a trail about a quarter mile away. It stopped, Then I heard three shots, and after a few moments the sound faded again as it rolled away. I decided it was most likely some trespassing, redneck, spotlighting deer, and since there was nothing to be done about it, I went on to bed. Around 3 a.m. that night, I was jerked awake by sound of a pack of snarling, yipping coyotes. They were close, and they were ripping apart a wounded deer. The squealing sound the deer made while being eaten sounded almost like a screaming child, and I could hear that sound distinctly even over the snarls. In answer, two distant packs of coyotes up in the hills above the swamp began howling, and I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. The awful squealing stopped after a few minutes, but the snarling went on for some time as the coyotes fought over the torn carcass. I lay there in the dark for the rest of the night, listening in dread while the dying embers of my fire cast random freakish shadows against the walls of my tent. I was bike, packing a trail with a close friend of mine in early August. We had camped at the top of the pass for the night and were heading down the trail back to the road. The woods were silent except for the pouring rain and buzzing mosquitoes. I had a prickling feeling on the back of my neck like I was being watched, but every instinct I had was telling me to not look back. I was almost to the trailhead, coming around a sharp turn when I saw something big and dark and insanely fast move across the trail a ways behind me. I know it wasn't a moose or a bear, and it was too big to be a wolf. I would play it off as trick of the light, but for the feeling of almost overwhelming dread and fear. I've always been an avid mushroom picker, roaming the woodlands of southeast Poland in search of edible treasures hidden among the undergrowth. One autumn day, I set out on my usual mushroom-picking expedition, hoping to return home with a bountiful harvest. As I wandered deeper into the forest, I stumbled upon something utterly bizarre a concrete staircase that seemed to lead to nowhere. It was as if it should have led to a building that wasn't there, or perhaps a very tall plane. Curiosity piqued, I decided to investigate further. As I approached the staircase, I noticed that everything within a 100-meter radius was rotten and dead. The air carried a peculiar, soapy smell that I couldn't quite place. When I stepped closer, the ground beneath my boots gave in and bubbled, as if reacting to my presence. Feeling unnerved, I quickly decided to leave this strange place behind. I hurried back home, washed myself thoroughly, and disposed of my clothes and boots. However, in the days that followed, I developed a nasty cough and a painful rash that seemed to spread across my body. Concerned, I visited the doctor, who ran a series of tests on me. Eventually he concluded that my symptoms were caused by irritation from a strongly basic substance, similar to lye. The diagnosis left me with more questions than answers. To this day, I still wonder what that mysterious staircase was doing in the middle of the woods. Could it have been the remnants of an old soap factory or warehouse? And if so, why was it located in such a remote and desolate place? Despite my efforts to uncover the truth, the enigma of the concrete staircase remains one of the strangest and most unsettling experiences of my life. My dad worked as a cop in a small town here in Montana. Nothing really out of the ordinary. Just burgers and kids playing pranks. Domestic violence stuff. Yeah, that was ordinary for him. As my siblings and I grew older, we learned some pretty unnerving stuff about people and our neighbors. Some people are just evil. No justification is necessary. My father is a very no nonsense kind of man. He's also an atheist and very skeptical about things like the paranormal, especially considering most of the crap he's had to deal with involved real life humans or animals. But there is one situation he never got cleared up. There are lots of abandoned houses where we grew up. My town definitely saw better times in the past. There were some pretty elegant buildings left to decay. Kids would play there. Urban exploration. And there were a few emergencies concerning drug dealers and gangs. Mostly calls from scared neighbors or people who saw weird stuff. One night, and my father is sent with a partner towards an abandoned place because a kid And an elderly woman saw a witch man dancing to a fire in the backyard, apparently. He thought it was either a druggie or some sort of gang activity. It had to go. The worst is that they can only find it would be local kids lighting up a bonfire, and they'd have to stop them and make them toss out the fire before things got out of control. So they met a bunch of neighbors complaining about the noise and lights, and everybody kept talking about the witch man. My father's companion says he saw somebody moving on the floor above, so they got to the house, announced themselves, and just get inside because, naturally, nobody answered. Once inside, they say the prank was successful and fun, but that it's time to stop. The neighbors have had enough. They start to register the place. A room for room, and they only see old stuff, but really nothing of value. It must have been stolen. Same for the second floor, but there... And my father begins feeling tense, and so does his partner, like they were being watched. But they saw nobody, and it's not like there were many places left to hide, really. In the end, both my father and his partner saw something shiny outside, orange light of fire. But when they looked at the window, they saw nobody there. They talked to the police station via the radio, hearing more complaints about the noise, but nothing else. Both walk around the garden and saw nothing. And that's what they told the worry neighbours. It was not until they reached the station that they saw the people they were giving them odd looks. A lady from Admin later showed them an audio recording. In it, you could hear my father and his colleague describing what he saw on the neighbors' complaints, yelling noises in the background from an angry man with a very deep, raspy voice. The noises were slushed and weird, but it said something like, ''Get out, this is my place.'' They received a few more emergency calls. Nobody ever found anything really relevant. To this day, my father, who I repeat is still a firm non-believer, still feels rather creeped out when he remembers that event. Not me, but my father. He was in his early thirties deer hunting in Western Mass, 1980s. He was a few miles out from the main road when he came across a frozen human corpse. Immediately hiked out and called the authorities. Apparently a few miles away there was a camp for the mentally challenged. A woman had run off and got lost. My dad never did go hunting again after that. I'm mainly looking for help identifying what creature my cousin may have come in contact with in the following story. I've grown up with stories about skinwalkers, but we both live on the east coast and the connection seems unlikely. Please comment and share your thoughts. What did my cousin, who we will call Alan, See, the story is as follows. Alan was returning home late at night after visiting his girlfriend at her home. Alan lives down a long stretch of road that, while in a growingly suburban area, is still well forested. His house is at the end of the road, across from a pasture that includes a horse and one hog. As Alan was driving towards his house, he became aware of a large white mist that was floating in the air over the pasture area. Alan stopped his vehicle and watched as the mist, seemingly now aware of his presence, began to hover and then abruptly dart down toward the earth. Alan was baffled at what he saw, and then the situation escalated when he realized that on the ground, directly where the mist darted and disappeared, now sat a rabbit. Alan said it was as if the mist entered the rabbit. A couple of things to mention. It was late at night, not during the dawn dusk hours, when rabbits are usually out eating and hopping around. Two. The house Alan lives in is notoriously haunted, but nothing like has occurred before or since. What are your thoughts? Apparently after seeing the rabbit, Alan floated into the driveway and went in for the night. Was this some kind of or the shapeshifter? So, this was kind of cool. I've been pretty bummed the last couple days. I picked up an old PSA for $40 to learn with and sneak my way into bow hunting. Be trying to get it set up just right and notice several cracks in the, the lower limb. Heartbreaking, since it won't be until about this time next year that I might be able to buy a real bow to learn with and hunt with. I had my hopes up about trying my hand at bow hunting and ditching my boom. Sticks, So oh yea, I was pretty bummed. I'll admit, I've been moping around a bit since I found those cracks. So last night I woke up at 214 to some unknown sound. Dog was on the foot of the bed. I could see the cat on the windowsill. Quietly grabbed my pistol and flashlight kept at bedside of course and held my breath waiting for another sound tink 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 it came from the kitchen quietly get out of bed and put my low light building clearing tactics to work get to the kitchen not knowing what to expect but fully expecting to see something out of the norm but nothing I slowly and quietly cleared the rest of the house but didn't find anything I went outside and walked around the house dang was it cold out there but did not see any sign of trouble I went back inside and checked the house one more time before going back to bed I got back up at four to get ready for work before I left I went to grab my lunch out of the fridge and noticed the magnets on the door formed the shape of an A with the pictures they were holding up laying on the floor it wasn't like that a few hours earlier guess she's still looking out for me that made me smile still bummed about not being able to practice with a bow, but not nearly as gloomy. Dorothy Martin, who had been communicating with aliens by automatic writing, was visited by two men, one an ordinary human being, the other very strangely. The former did all of the talking. He said, I am of this planet, but he is not. For half an hour he told her that she should not publicize her information, as the time is not right now. Later, she was visited by five young men who told her that what I said was all false and mixed up. And they told me that they were in contact with outer space too, and all the writings I had were wrong.